0: Are you working what kind
1: of work you you're listening to the edge with aaron karolnik giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy it is the jordan episode of the edge here on tsn 1050 that's right 23 episodes we have not been canceled yet and I say yet because if our bosses are following Al's brother's picks, we will indeed be cancelled very shortly. Welcome in to The Edge for this Tuesday evening. I'm Aaron Korolnik, Al's brother. Here as always, looking at him through the Zoom chat, looking dapper and handsome. What is going on, AB? Nah, doing
2: alright, doing pretty good here. Uh, Tuesday edition of football today, so
1: pretty happy. It's the first time we've gotten to do like a pre-game. It is a pregame. It is a pregame for the Dallas Cowboys at the Baltimore Ravens. We'll get into that a little bit in just a, a few moments. I want to talk about the Lou Marsh Award, which was handed out today. Congratulations to Alfonso Davies and Laurent Duvarney tardif who split the award for the first time, I believe, since 1983. And if you follow along with this show, our social media channels, we told you to bet Dubarnet tardif at plus 500. Hopefully you were able to follow along with that because... You know, it's not just a pretty face here on the edge. We have some inside info, some quality thoughts on how and where to gamble. And while our NFL picks, they haven't been great this year. We can't really mince words. I went 0 for 2 on the pound the table picks of the week. What were you this week, Al's brother? 1 in 1,
2: and I did get the Monday Nighter with the Bills yesterday, so.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, what, how about the earlier game? Did you have the Washington football team? Uh, unfortunately not. So, so you just <laughs> omitted your loss. You you went straight Mayweather there. I actually appreciate that. All right, let's get into tonight's game. Tired of dull predictions? What, 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 can, I, what can I say? Let me explain this to you. Time to sharpen your edge. All right, Tuesday night football. The Dallas Cowboys at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens favored by 8.5 points. The over-under is 45.5 points. And I would argue that the Baltimore Ravens, considering the expectations heading into the season, Lamar Jackson coming off a unanimous MVP, have been one of, if not the biggest disappointments in the NFL. And why is that? What has been the reason for their struggles? You think about this offense, which was just prolific last year. 36 pass touchdowns for Lamar Jackson. More than 1,200 yards in on the ground. And something has gone awry. And if, you, if you're if you looking at the offense tonight, and of course we know the Ravens have been embroiled with a coronavirus fiasco after, in the last 10 to 14 days. So many of their guys missed their previous game, which went on Wednesday, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they are getting guys back tonight. They are getting guys back. J.K. Dobbins, their centers are back. Pernell McPhee is back. Calais Campbell, a crucial part of their defensive line, is back. Jihad Ward is back, and Lamar Jackson is back. But Willie Sneed and Mark Andrews remain sidelined, as does Matthew Judon. So Al's brother, I know I heard your pick on overdrive of the Ravens minus 8.5. Justify your pick, the Ravens minus eight minus eight 8.5 against the Cowboys tonight.
2: Yeah, I think that that's the pick to go with tonight. You just take a look at how the season's gone for both of these teams, and you look at five of the six wins that Baltimore's had. They've won big. They've won by 14 or more points. Meanwhile, Dallas, they've lost by double digits five times this year. So, you know, Baltimore does a pretty good job on beating up on the bad teams, and if there's any antidote to a bad offense, it's the Dallas defense. So I think that should be uh, a pretty good option tonight. Also, uh the... Biggest thing that I think we're going to see is that they just got to shut down Zeke Elliott, and Baltimore's got a pretty stout run defense, too, and they'll be getting a couple of guys back on defense, too.
1: I go back to last night's game, Al's brother, the Steelers losing their perfect season to the Washington football team, and the story before the game and the story after it was rest. We know the Steelers were coming off four days rest, and Washington was coming off ten days rest. That was apparent in the way that those two teams performed yesterday. Pittsburgh seemed lethargic and it was almost like they weren't focused. It was an odd that like the number of drops and just crucial mistakes that they made throughout the game was apparent. And I'm looking at tonight, it's a very similar rest discrepancy. Dallas played on th- last Thursday, now they're playing today on Tuesday, while Baltimore played on Wednesday and now they're playing on Tuesday. So it's not necessarily a short Week for Baltimore, and it would be for a a traditional sense, but Dallas is a rested team, and the injuries that I'm going to focus on for the Baltimore Ravens tonight are in their secondary. Marlon Humphrey is one of the best corners in the league. I think he'll match up well with Amari Cooper, but beyond him. Jimmy Smith is out. Another one of their corners is out. And I think the depth at of the Dallas Cowboys at receiver is finally going to show through. I'm expecting a big game from CeeDee Lamb. Michael Gallup has been an invisible man all year. Maybe this is the week he'll be able to get it done. I think Dallas, you give them all those points against a team in Baltimore. And, man, like Lamar Jackson, and I, I was watching Adam Schefter talk about Lamar Jackson on NFL Live and how it was not an asymptomatic case of coronavirus for Lamar. He did have some symptoms and how these guys react to this virus playing a sport at the highest level in the National Football League, a, a game in which Lamar Jackson is going to be running and he's going to be running a lot because Dallas's rush defense is not particularly good, nor is their defense in entirety. Forget the the pass or rush, whatever it is, it's not a good defense. I just can't lay that, that number of points with the uncertainty with Baltimore, with all the coronavirus concerns, and the fact that the rest discrepancy is huge in favor of Dallas.
2: Yeah, that's definitely something that should be factored into this game, and I think it is a reason why we saw some, some yo-yoing on the line. I saw it start off as low as six, go as high as 10, and I think it settled in here around eight and a half, nine points. I, it's definitely something to monitor, and it's something that through the first half, you should, we'll, we'll probably know how badly, you know, Lamar Jackson and those who suffered from the coronavirus, uh, are going to be feeling in tonight's game. But at the end of the day, for me, I just look at that, that Dallas defense and there's no way that they're going to be able to stop Baltimore. They're, they're just going to run the football down their throats. Like whether it's J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, they're just going to keep running the ball. And I don't think Dallas is going to be able to keep up offensively. And I could see this definitely being more than a one score game.
1: Yeah, for Dallas, one of my big concerns is the absence of Zach Martin. By the way, the game can be heard on TSN 1050 in about an hour's time, so you're going to want to stick around and tune in for that. Zach Martin is not playing tonight. He's their best offensive line for the Cowboys, and he is a crucial cog. In games in which he misses versus games in which he plays, It's a serious, serious difference as far as the Dallas offense is concerned. So they're going to have to find ways to protect Andy Dalton, who has not been particularly good in his own right this season. So they're going to need a big game from him and a big game from that wide receiver group. And maybe Zeke Elliott, the $90 million man, can put up his second 100-yard game against a vaunted defense in Baltimore that defends the run very well. Throughout the show, we'll be getting into tonight's game. Josh Applebaum from VEASAN Live down in Vegas is going to join us in about eight minutes. We'll get into the game tonight. Of course, the big news in the NFL. Carson Wentz, Wentz, take a seat. It's Jalen Hurts time with the Eagles. We'll get into the impact of that for Philadelphia both this week against the Saints and for the rest of the season. It is fantasy football week one as far as the playoffs go. Week 14 represents the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. Every Tuesday, Al's brother and I bring you start, sit and sayonara. Trying to set up your lineup, who to start, who to keep, and who should take a hike. This is Sit, Start, or Sayonara on the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. <laughs> that, 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 that sound good right there. And before we get into Start, Sit, and Sayonara, I saw you tweeting about a matchup you were embroiled in where it was tied to some decimal points. Can you give me the latest on that?
2: Yeah, last night I went into a match with uh, a former Browns fan that used to work here, and (laughs) legitimately, so we go to the 10th decimal, and I went into the day... With probably a 20-point lead, I had Stephon Diggs and Benny Snell ready to go. He had Devin Singletary and Cole Beasley, and wouldn't you know it, we end up in a deadlock tie, 127.08 points apiece, Wow! and there are some playoff implications here. I don't think I'm going to miss the playoffs, but certainly I'm going to drop down uh, in seeding
1: here because of that terrible, terrible uh, outing by Benny Snell. Yeah, he was awful last night, and the Pittsburgh Steelers need James Conner back. Sounds like he'll be back. We'll talk about the fantasy implications of that with John Dagle, our buddy from Roto World and NBC Sports, when he joins us in about 20 minutes. But in Start, Sit, and Sayonara, Al's brother and I lay out three players from each of the quarterback, wide receiver, and running back positions, and we... We decide if you should start them, if you should sit them, or if you should say sayonara to them. So let's start with quarterback, and this is just for week 14, the first week of the fantasy football playoffs. You have Kyler Murray at the New York Giants. You have Josh Allen for the Bills hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, and Deshaun Watson is at the Chicago Bears. What is your play here, brother?
2: Yeah, I'm saying sayonara to Kyler Murray. I just think he hasn't been the same since his injury back in Week 11. So I'm going to say sayonara to him. Josh Allen against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a really tough matchup. So I think I'm going to sit him there. And then I'm going to start Deshaun Watson against Chicago. You know, the the Bears gave up 34 points to Detroit. I think Watson shouldn't struggle too, too much with that defense. So let's go with Watson as
1: my start. I'm also saying sayonara to Kyler Murray, who was one of the best stories early on in the season. I was touting him for MVP. Dude was putting up prolific numbers, but he doesn't run the ball anymore. And if Kyler's not running the fantasy value, not even close to those of his counterparts in this selection. And I'm going to start Josh Allen. Dude was electric. Electric last night. He and the Bills offense just shredded San Fran. And I'm going to roll with him. A home game against the Steelers team that will be... It will be a challenge for Josh Allen. There's no doubt about that. We know what that defense brings, but I think the upside of Allen, both through the air and on the ground, supersedes that of Deshaun Watson on the road in Chicago with a forecast that looks a little bit dicey, albeit five days out. Looking at running back, Al's brother, Alvin Kamara at the Eagles, Aaron Jones at the Detroit Lions, and Christian McCaffrey making his return versus Denver. Where are you leaning? Yeah, I'm starting Christian
2: McCaffrey. You're not putting him on the bench. He scored no less than 24 points in games that he's played this year, so McCaffrey against Denver is my start. I'll be sitting Aaron Jones. I think he's going to have himself quite a game, but I'm still not going to lean Jones over McCaffrey, which means I'm saying sayonara to uh, Kamara against Philly. They're a pretty good defense, but realistically, Kamara, it seems like uh, Drew Brees won't play again, and he hasn't been a factor in the passing game. The passing was we just not there with Taysom Hill. Only six targets the last three weeks, so... Uh, I'm not gonna I'm gonna say sayonara to him.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on those. I think Christian McCaffrey is the start this week against an exploitable Denver Broncos defense in a home game, and it should, it should be a high-paced game, uh, with a Carolina team that really, between Carolina and Denver, not a lot to play for there. McCaffrey, will the full workload will be there? I guess that's the question, but his impact, his upside, both on the ground and through the passing game makes him the clear start, and I'm going to sit Aaron Jones as well. Not a fan of what Kamara brings, uh, on the Saints' offense, considering the lack of targets, let's wrap with this: wide receivers Chase Claypool at Buffalo, Antonio Brown of the Bucks against the Vikes, and Brandon Ayuk against the Washington football team.
2: Yeah, this one, I think I'm rolling the dice a little bit, but I think I'd start Chase Claypool and hope for the big player, the touchdown. I think I'm sitting Antonio Brown. There's just so many mouths to, to feed there and just a little bit of inconsistency with that Bucks offense, and uh, which means Brandon Ayuk. sayonara. You're playing the Washington football team, and they are a pretty stout against the pass.
1: They are. Ayuk's been really consistent, though. He has a touchdown or a 100-plus yards in seven of his last eight games. Do I want to ride with him necessarily in the fantasy playoffs? By the way, it's no coincidence that I have these three players on my number one fantasy football team, so maybe I'm trying to get a little bit of uh, deciding factors from you. But I'm with you again. I'm going to roll with Claypool, a guy who's been consistent with the touchdowns, Antonio Brown. It's an exploitable matchup against the Vikes, a game in which – You expect Tom Brady and company to be airing it out against a defense that does allow quite a bit through the air. And with Ayuk, I love him. I just can't trust him when it comes down, especially with Nick Mullins at quarterback. On the subject of quarterbacks, there's a new one in Philadelphia. His name is Jalen Hurts. How will that affect the point spread and how will it affect your decision making when it comes to the betting scene on Sunday? I'm Aaron Korolnik. He's Al's brother. We'll be back here on The Edge after this.
0: Don't show up. Don't come.
1: It's game night here on TSN 1050, the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens just after 8 p.m. You could hear it live right here on TSN 1050 in a tee of that game amongst many others on the slate in Week 14. We welcome Josh Applebaum, sports betting reporter at VEASAN Live, host of the VEASAN Market Insights Podcast, and author, we have an author on the show, this is a first, author of the Everything Guide to Sports Betting what is going on Josh? How are you tonight?
3: Aaron, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me and uh by the way, you're in Canada. I'm a Boston Bruins fan. I live in Boston. So hopefully you let me uh, you let me stick around
1: uh kill his uh phone connection Al's brother behind the glass please and thank you just kidding we uh I'm not going to say we love Boston but uh cuz we are bitter enemies so perhaps we can discuss the prospects for the Bruins in the upcoming NHL season which looks to be starting on January 13th Josh but before that let's look ahead to tonight's game I mean I mean we talked about it in the first segment and I like Dallas tonight. I, I like the discrepancy in rest, where Dallas is the rested team compared to Baltimore, a team that was savaged by coronavirus, including their quarterback Lamar Jackson, who is back, but nobody's really sure exactly what he endured the last ten days. It's the Ravens as eight and a half point favorites tonight. Which side are you leaning tonight, Josh?
3: Yeah, I'm right there with you, and I'm I'm a contrarian based bettor. So kind of my job at Veasan is you know monitoring the market, looking at where the public is at, where the smart money is coming in. I also lean a lot on historical data to kind of dig into the past, see how teams in certain situations have performed. And I'm right there with you. I mean, looking at tonight's game, the first thing that jumped out to me is you did have some sharp money early hitting the Ravens because the Ravens opened at minus 7.5. Uh, some respected money brought that line all the way up to minus 9.5. But I think uh, what you're looking at now is a good buy opportunity to grab Dallas. Uh, number one, you hit the nail on the head, Aaron. This is a big rest-first tired match. You have Dallas not having played since Thanksgiving. You have Baltimore having played last Wednesday. This is the same spot, remember, last night that the Washington football team was in. They were the rest of the team against the Steelers on a short week. So uh, the other thing is um, a lot of dogs this year have done very well. You're looking at uh, dogs covering at about a 57% clip. Primetime dogs have been even better, uh, about 64% against the number. And really what you're looking at here is an inflated line opportunity. The public's all over Baltimore. The line's gotten up to nine and a half. I like seeing this late buyback, nine and a half, nine down to eight and a half. Uh, you also look at buying low teams off a of blowout, uh, teams that lost by 20 or more the next game. They're covering about 56% of the time. You also have a bit of a road referee, Brad Rogers, about 57%, uh, to that road team. And then just in terms of, um, you know, getting a good number, really, uh, all the value Baltimore was early seven and a half. Now you're laying a number that's moved too much. If you look at favorites that have moved at least a point or more, they're only about uh, 46% against the number. So to me, this is a buy-low spot where you hold your nose and grab Dallas, and hopefully you got uh, eight and a half, 9.5 nine I think was your best number. But uh, Cowboys, to me, in a primetime game, contrarian, a lot of value tonight.
1: Josh, let's stick in the NFC East from the Cowboys to the Eagles and Carson Wentz is now a backup quarterback. Probably a couple weeks late for Philadelphia and their chances of making the playoffs, but he was benched in favor of Jalen Hurts. He'll make his first career start against the Saints on Sunday. The Eagles are catching 7 as the home dog here. Do you think Hurts playing Hurts or ooh, like that that play on words hurts or helps your decision making when it comes to betting on Philly plus the points?
3: Yeah, so I think just from the standpoint of, you know, buying low on uncertainty, the Eagles will have a lot of value. They've obviously been really bad this year. And I think, you know, it kind of speaks to how bad Carson Wentz has been because, um, Peterson, the coach, he has not wanted to go to Hurts. He stayed with Wentz as long as he could. Now it's just come to a point where, you know, Wentz is hurting them and you're going to try to catch lightning in a bottle here. So, uh, the Saints, they opened minus minus six and a half immediately. You saw some money lay the points minus six and a half with the Saints now bringing this line up to seven. And now to me, you know, I'm looking at Philly as a buy-low spot. You just don't know what you're going to get out of Hurts. But one thing I do like, uh, not only is the public all over New Orleans, and uh, I'm a contrarian-minded better. I want to bet against the public. You walk into a, a bar in Ontario or wherever you guys are in Canada, whoever all the drunk people at the bar rooting for, you know they'll be on the Saints. You want to be on the other side because, you know, more often than not, the public loses, the house always wins. So with all that being said, I do have a system. You get into December uh, 7 point home dogs or more cover around a 56% clip so this to me would be a uh, hope you get something good out of Hertz grab the 7 with Philly but I think the next move is critical if you see this fall uh, to 6.5 that's going to be a signal that pros grab Philly plus 7 if you see it rise to 7.5 that half, that'll be a bad sign if you wanted to bet on Philly
1: Josh Applebaum, sports betting reporter at Veasan Live and the author of the Everything Guide to Sports Betting, is our guest here on the Edge. And on Thursday night, the New England Patriots are coming off a forty-five to nothing win against the Chargers. They they stay in LA. They're playing the Rams this week. The Rams are five and a half point favorites. McVay, Belichick, perhaps not the coaching discrepancy we saw last week with Belichick and Anthony Lynn, but how are you handicapping the Rams as five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Pats?
3: Yeah, so, Aaron, I'm looking at the Patriots here for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, you look at just the way the line has moved. This line opened with the Rams listed as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home. You've seen really a combination of public money, but really it's, it's sharp action. It's respected money hitting the Patriots, and again, it's really only pro-money or wise-guy money that moves numbers. The public will not force oddsmakers to adjust the number. It's really respected money that moves numbers. So we've seen this line fall, Rams minus 6.5, down to minus 5.5. I'm seeing some books even down to 5. So really that tells me that you had some money come in on the Patriots, grabbing the points here. I think the other the other angle that you like with, with this is that, you know, Belichick and the Patriots, they're not, they didn't fly back to New England and, and come back out for this game. They just played in L.A., they're staying in L.A. They're not traveling. They're going to practice at UCLA. They're going to play in the same stadium they played in this past week. And then also a lot of good systems on the Patriots. Look at primetime dogs, which would match with the Cowboys tonight. They're covering uh, above a 60% clip. Also, short road dogs plus six or less. They've been 47 and 25 ATS this year, 65% against the number. Uh, so I'm looking at the Patriots. You know, you would have loved to grab the six and a half for the six. It continues to fall, but that is a good sign with, with sharp action moving to New England.
1: Josh, I'm seeing some serious line movement on the upcoming Sunday night football game between the Bills and the Steelers, perhaps because the Bills played such a quality game last night, beating the Niners, and the Steelers did not play a quality game against the Washington football team. The Bills now favored by two and a half points, and the look-ahead line had the Steelers as the outright favorites. How do you view this one in lieu of the significant line shift?
3: Yeah, the lines moving a ton here. This is going to be a really, really heavily bet game. Obviously, a prime time game. Two of the best teams in the AFC. Um, but this is a huge sharp move to the Buffalo Bills. I mean, this game open as you mentioned, Aaron. Uh, a couple of shops for Pittsburgh minus two and a half. Line is completely flipped. Really today across the market, we've seen uh, a massive move where Buffalo went from plus two and a half now to minus two and a half. And really, that tells me that uh, wise guys have really gotten down on the Buffalo Bills, moved this number in their favor. Um, the other thing you got to look at here is we're getting close to the key number of three. So, um, you know, the Buffalo Bills had a lot of value, getting points, a pick'em, you know, a minus one and a half. Uh, now that it's creeping up to minus two and a half, if this keeps trending up to minus three, I think you're going to look at some value and some buyback on the Pittsburgh Steelers, getting plus three. So, really, if, if you if you want to bet Pittsburgh, I would wait it out and look for a three. Uh, again, that would match another primetime dog system, a short road dog system. Uh, but really, that's been a really sharp play to Buffalo. So uh, if you like Buffalo and you don't want to lay those, those bad points, you've missed the number a bit, you could look at a money line play with the Bills around minus 130.
1: Josh, Christmas is coming up. Hanukkah is coming up. And you are the author of a terrific book, The Everything Guide to Sports Betting. Tell our audience why that's something they should be putting on their list this holiday season.
3: Oh, thank you, Aaron. Yeah, this is a, it's a great stocking stuffer holiday gift. I mean, sports betting legalization is really spreading across uh, really just the whole continent here, especially in America. And if you want to bet on sports, you need kind of a blueprint, a bit of a, a Bible to kind of give you some guiding principles. And my book just has everything that I've learned in the industry. Uh, I'm 33 years old. I've been working uh, at a sports betting company since I was about 21. And really, it's got tips on how to go contrarian, why you want to bet against the public, how to identify sharp action, how to, how to shop numbers, how to set up a bankroll management plan so that you stay in the game and you don't lose it all when you first start. So got a lot of tips a lot of strategies uh how to place a bet in person how to bet online uh and really hopefully can help you uh kind of overcome that that rough learning curve uh at the start and uh yeah hopefully it'll it'll help you cash a few bets and uh, i'm really proud of it so if you want to check it out on amazon be everything guide to sports betting uh pick it up this uh this holiday season
1: it comes highly recommended as does your work on visa and josh thank you very much for taking the time tonight would love to have you back soon
3: Thanks I would love to come Aaron and uh yeah keep up the good work on TSN and uh hey go Bruins
1: <laughs> All right, thank you. That is Josh Applebaum from VEASAN, and the author of The Everything Guide to Sports Betting. The Everything Guide to Fantasy Football has yet to be written, but it will be written by John Dagle of World and NBC Sports. It's week 14 coming up, meaning it is the fantasy football playoffs. He's going to tell you everything you need to know to prepare for that. Next on The Edge. Okay, well, Week 14 in the National Football League is upon us. Well, I guess the conclusion of Week 13 would be the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens, which goes in about 30 minutes' time, a game you can hear on TSN 1050. But Week 14 represents the beginning of the fantasy football playoffs. It is crunch time in fantasy. So I had to place a call to the best in the business. It is John Dagle, our friend from NBC Sports and Roto World, joining us again here on The Edge for his crucial advice. John, good evening. Thank you very much for taking the time. Another
0: Tuesday night game, of course, but nonetheless, we are still prepping for the fantasy playoffs, so here we are.
1: All right, so yeah, you mentioned the fancy playoffs. We know they begin this week. Owners clearly focusing on the task at hand in Week 14, but considering there are just three weeks left of potential play, Week 14, Week 15, and Week 16, how do you advise owners to utilize their bench spots at this point in the season, John?
0: I think you can start cutting the guys that you were banking on as fringe starters and flex options, and instead pivot to stashing high upside league winners. For instance, someone like Savan Ahmed, Alexander Madison, uh, of course they don't have standalone value and they're not better options than, let's say, Cam Akers in a vacuum this week. But if the player ahead of them goes down, like Miles Gaskin or Galvin Cook, then suddenly you have a top-12 running back on your bench ready to go. And that's more important than trying to roster these 20 to 30 ranked running backs that aren't going to have value or just fringe-flex plays anyhow. So you're trying to stash league winners. And also, I don't mind stashing two or three defenses if the matchups make sense. Uh this may ruin a question for you later in the segment but for example <laughs> I got Panthers... lots of
1: questions John don't worry don't worry good. lots of questions
0: okay, Good good uh I'll say quickly then the Panthers have terrific matchups in week 14 and 16 as do the Dolphins as well as the Bucks uh the Colts of course that are out there as well and the Rams So you can start mixing and matching the best path to victory from weeks 14 to 16 by adding two or three defenses, because that's more important now anyways. It's literally must-win for the next three weeks, and you should treat your roster as such.
1: John Daggle from NBC Sports and Roto-World, our guest. Make sure to check out his waiver wire column every Tuesday, just released this morning. And the the running back position this year, I feel, has been a total wasteland. Not that many guys who've emerged, certainly in the last four to six weeks, but is there anybody on the waiver wire this week that you think perhaps could propel fantasy teams to some success in the final three weeks of the season?
0: Due to a heaping of injuries and the COVID list, of course, it has dried up, and we've seen that the waiver wire has run its course finally. It took until week 14, but it's pretty bare out there. Having said that, if Antonio Gibson is out after last night's severe turf toe injury, then we know we can look to JD McKissick, who outsnapped Peyton Barber significantly, 53 to 24 in a close game. Previously, McKissick was only getting used in negative game scripts, and that wasn't the case last night. And of course, McKissick leads the team with a 24% target share and Alex Smith's past five starts. So that's the one I'm trusting for PPR league if Gibson's ruled out. Another one would be Ty Johnson as well. Frank Gore suffered a concussion in the first quarter of this past game, and then Johnson came off the bench and handled 24 of the team's 32 remaining backfield touches, and it's not a bad matchup, honestly, against the Seahawks. So if Frank Gore is ruled out and you're desperate, you can look to Ty Johnson as well.
1: What do you make of Kiki Cutie in Houston? He was awesome on Thanksgiving, and another man coming out of the Houston wide receiving core has emerged with, of course, Will Fuller out for the year and Randall Cobb injured as well. What do you make of that situation with Deshaun Watson's top targets?
0: QT was someone I projected with the highest floor among that group now that Will Fuller is out the picture, but I did not expect him to lead Brandon Cook and the team in target share. I did not expect him to be an explosive playmaker. He even led the team in air yards, which means they're intending to get him involved downfield despite him being a small slot receiver. So that was actually the best-case scenario this past week for QT moving forward. So I'm definitely prioritizing him, honestly, as the top pickup among wide receivers this week heading into the fantasy playoffs, because we've also seen him now play the Colts and Matt Aberfless, uh that defensive scheme they, they have going on in Indianapolis, four times in his career the past three years. And in three of those four times, including this past week, he spiked over 100 yards and a touchdown. And he gets the Colts again in week 15. So I think we can definitely count on QT for the fantasy playoffs. Chad Hansen is the other one that actually shocked me mm-hmm. because he ran more routes and was on the field more than QT and Brandon Cooks. He basically took Fuller's role on the boundary all to himself. So until Randall Cobb comes back and shifts this thing around, I think Hansen is actually the downfield option who will only get five to seven targets per game, but they're using him like Fuller and launching the ball deep to him.
1: John, we were debating Christian McCaffrey, who is expected to return for the Panthers this week. Christian McCaffrey is the best player in fantasy football, bar none, when he's healthy. What are we expecting from him in his first week back after another injury? Of course, we know about his injury earlier this season, then he had the shoulder. Do you think he gets the full workload, or will there be a split with Mike Davis?
0: I actually do think he gets the full workload, and only because – I don't have a really a deeper, educated lean into it, but I know we've seen it one time, the last time he returned against the Chiefs, and now we we assume he's fully healthy, and when he returned against the Chiefs, he did handle 71% of the team snaps before he went down in the final possession – saw 10 targets, and of course handled 18 of 19 backfield carries with Mike Davis getting the other one. And I think he actually does return to just his normal workload since the team probably at the playoff picture, but still competing weekly and have not shown any shyness and getting McCaffrey involved to his
1: workload from the past few years whenever he's healthy. So, a quarterback change with the Eagles today, going from Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts, and Miles Sanders. A lot of people, myself included, had him pegged as a guy who might be a top 12 uh, option at the running back position. He has probably underperformed, certainly compared to where he was drafted. Another guy who I pegged to have a huge season is James Conner, who missed the last couple of days, or the last couple of games, I should say, with coronavirus. Those two players, Sanders and Connor, do you think fantasy owners can rely on them heading into week 14 and beyond?
0: Sanders I'm definitely worried about. We've seen its touch count now not just dropped to 10 touches this past week, but over the past month, they've still been getting Boston Scott heavily involved, increasing his touch rate. And then we saw that they took Corey Clement out the picture on Sunday, but they inserted Jordan Howard comically into the backfield rotation for four touches. Not only that, but the Saints defense is monstrous. It's been amazing the past five games. The Falcons actually to put 16 points on them, That's impressive because that was the highest mark the Saints have allowed in this five-game stretch. And we know they haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since 2017, since Samaj Ryan did it. So I do not like the outlook for Sanders this week, but the same goes for Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager, Dallas Goddard. They do get the Cardinals and Cowboys to close the fantasy playoffs in weeks 15 and 16. So what I'm doing is picking those guys up, uh, hertz and rager and not starting them probably same for sanders who's a low-end rb2 this week but i'm getting them ready for weeks 15 and 16 and plus matchups and as for connor the issue really isn't the performance the issue is this change in role in what the steelers are doing at offense now as they have the fifth most pass attempts in the entire league over the past five games and are not trusting their running their their running game whatsoever So, last time out, before we went on the COVID list, Connor had 13 of 16 backfield touches. The issue is, although he was used as a bell cow, it doesn't really matter when we're only getting 13 touches right. That's still very minimal. So, I would like to say I trust him, but again, if they only keep on giving Roethlisberger 48 attempts per game, which they have done the past five games, then it's worrisome, and he would strictly be a low-end RB2. Connor would as well.
1: John Daigle, the best in the business from NBC Sports and Rotoworld, is our guest here on The Edge. So Week 13 is probably going to be known as the Darren Waller week, where he was just unbelievable for the Raiders against the Jets. Who do you think will be the guy in Week 14 to kind of break out and be the star on the fantasy slate?
0: Oh, Week 14. Uh, the ma- I admittedly do my rankings on Wednesday night, So I'm not quite sure yet, but I will say given the how totals and how betting has gone so far, the Packers-Lions game has been bet up to the highest total of the week, has already increased two points since it initially opened in Vegas on Sunday night. And I would really like to see what happens when DeAndre Swift comes back. Because if he's back, remember, the last time we saw him in the field, he was unleashed for a season high in snaps. He handled 71% of the team's backfield carries and saw 15% target share with five targets as well. And I think we've forgotten since not only does every week feel like a year in 2020, but yeah. because everything happens, like there's been so many changes through every single day throughout this season that it feels like an eternity since we've last seen Swift. But if he is on the field this week, I think it's an amazing matchup for him to once again prove that he's a league winner the moment he touches the field.
1: John, can we get a Tuesday night football pick from you, the Ravens and the Cowboys, maybe a score prediction, a breakout fantasy performer?
0: Uh, You should jump on J.K. Dobbins if he's still on your waiver wire, uh, wherever, because remember, the last time we saw him, they treated him just like the Lions treated DeAndre Swift and giving Dobbins, when all three backs were healthy, 41 snaps to Mark Ingram's 13, and 77% of the team's backfield touches. They used him as a bell cow, and that's all we've been waiting on from Dobbins. So assuming they put him right back in that role, now that he's a week removed from the COVID list, or uh, he was on the COVID list for a week and now he's back healthy, I would imagine he returns to that role in a terrific matchup. So not only do I have Dobbins emerging as a RB1 for the rest of the year starting tonight, I also have the Ravens winning by, let's say, 7 to 10 points in this
1: game. Well, the spread is eight and a half, so you're right on the number there, John. Thank you very much for doing this, as always, my friend. Love your work at NBC Sports and Roto World, and we would love to have you back before the conclusion. And if the fantasy season almost over, bringing it here to my eye. Thank you very much, John. Of course. Thanks always for having me. Okay, we are 15 minutes away or so from kickoff here on TSN 1050. We are your pregame show here on The Edge. It's Aaron Korolnik and it's Al's brother with you until the top of the clock. Of course, the Dallas Cowboys at the Baltimore Ravens tonight. The Ravens nine-point favorites as of this very moment. And some breaking news, Des Bryant, who was... I'm sure, just jacked up to play against his former team, the Dallas Cowboys tonight as a member of the Ravens. Out for tonight's game after testing positive for coronavirus, and Dez was out there <laughs> catching practice and catching passes in, in in practice and in pregame tonight, and he was told he had tested positive and he had to leave the field immediately. And I imagine we'll be going into some sort of quarantine, so you will not see Dez Bryant tonight. And to be honest, I had him to be the first touchdown scoring at – um, at plus 1,800 and to score any time at plus 300, so I'm reeling a little bit. But let's get into some player props tonight, Al's brother. And uh, it's a game where I think there's a lot of value because I think there could be some point score between these two teams. Uh, Dallas definitely not the best defensive team in the NFL, and I think Dallas is going to have to be throwing to keep it up with uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. So give me an any time touchdown score and who you'd bet to score the first TD tonight.
2: Alright, so first TD, uh, I am all in with John Daggle here when it comes to J.K. Dobbins. I think that he's the first touchdown scorer of the night at plus 675. You can also get him as an anytime touchdown scorer at plus uh, 200. But I also think that uh, Amari Cooper at plus 345 is decent value there as an anytime touchdown. So there's another
1: one to keep an eye on. Uh, My anytime touchdown score is Lamar Jackson. I think um, based on the pregame reports that I read about his sort of mental game, he seems to be very energetic. He is bouncy. He is flying around the field in pregame warm-ups. I was a little concerned about his 10-day stint in quarantine after testing positive for coronavirus, but it appears I mean, albeit very, from the very, very, very far outside that he is raring to go. Lamar gets into the end zone tonight, maybe one of those um play-action, read plays where he can uh, get around the corner and, and get into the end zone uh, like he usually does. Uh, on the subject of Lamar Jackson, are you on the over or on the under of 178.5 pass yards tonight?
2: I am on the under for that one. Lamar Jackson this year has not been throwing the rock as much, and I think this team's just going to keep run, 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 running the ball, so taking the under on that.
1: And you think that Willie Sneed is out, Mark Andrews is out, and now Des Bryant is out. They are down to Marquise Brown, their running backs, David DuVarnay, no relation to Laurent DuVarnay-Tardif. So, it's bare bones. I still think Lamar gets over that number. That's a low number against a poor secondary. He has gone over 178 yards in 8 of 10 games this year, so that gives me some sort of optimism. J.K. Dobbins, the name du jour tonight. John Dago, who joined us in the last segment, loves J.K. Dobbins. The over-under, 56 and a half rush yards for Dobbins. I presume you're also on the over, Al's brother? I am hammering the over, Ooh. hammering it, and actually the sports
2: book that I look at had him at fifty three and a half, so wow. I also hammer that
1: obviously. Oh, but wow. I think that's going to be a big game out of Dobbins. And I'm curious to know what you think about Marquise Brown. We mentioned how many of the options for Lamar Jackson are out: Sneed, Andrews, and now Des Bryant, who tested positive for coronavirus just moments ago, so he is out tonight. Does that make you more or less inclined to bet on the over of 46 and a half receiving yards for Hollywood Brown?
2: Actually, uh, I think it makes me less likely to do it. I know that that means that there's no one there, but it also means that they'll probably just have to double cover him, uh, which means they're not going to give him the ball, and aside from a garbage touchdown last week from McSorley, he
1: hasn't topped 46 and a half rushing yards since week six. Yeah, I I think I'm with you there, and a a name I mentioned, DuVarnay, they are slim pickings at wide receiver, and any receiving options in Baltimore tonight, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit, and it's not just going to go to Marquise Brown. DuVarnay, if you can find his over-under around 25 yards, which I did earlier today, that was before the Des Bryant news, I would advise you hit the over on that one. Let's look at Dallas quickly. Andy Dalton's passing over-under is 225.5. If you believe Dallas will be trailing all game and needing to throw to catch up, you're on the over. Which side are you on, Al's brother?
2: Well, I believe they'll be needing to catch up, but I don't think they'll complete many passes, so I'm Ooh. also going to take the under on that. Uh, Dalton has only topped that number once this season. He's not going to make it a second time here against that vaunted secondary of the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Yeah, a couple of absences for the Ravens uh, in their secondary tonight. Uh, Jimmy Smith is out, so he's one of their top cover corners. But Marlon Humphrey is there. You imagine he'll be locked up alongside Amari Cooper, who's over-under is 54 and a half yards. I like the over on that one. Andy Dalton has looked at Amari constantly, and he does those cutting routes across the middle of the field, and he gets open. He gets a ton of targets. I'm on the over, although the presence of Humphrey does scare me.
2: Yeah, but if you take away that Philly game, he's averaging 84 yards over his past six games, and he's the number 1 target
1: of Andy Dalton. So I'm also taking the over here for Mari Cooper. And z- let's, wrap, let's wrap with uh, Zeke Elliott, whose over-under is 57.5 rush yards. Zeke has been a big-time disappointment, eclipsing 100 yards just once this season. But 57.5 rush yards, I mean, considering how he is the focal point of the Dallas offense, you imagine he'll get a ton of touches I'm on the over ever so slightly. I am also slightly taking the over. Okay. Well, I can't wait to watch the game. I can't wait to listen to the game. I know you'll be in studio manning the controls all game long, Al's brother. So looking forward to a flawless broadcast in that respect. It has been a flawless evening of gambling talk. Thanks to Josh Applebaum and John Dagle for joining me alongside Al's brother. I'm Aaron Korolnik. We'll be back on Friday night with a full preview Of week 14 in the NFL. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat then.